2: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, a positive conversations with people in their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Okay. Kia ora. How's it going today? Don't tell me it's sunny outside. <laughs>
3: um, the sky is blue and there is warmth emanating from a yellow moon <laughs> <laughs> coming just in the sky. <laughs> But there's nothing to protect us from the yellow glowing dust. <laughs> it is just the blue
2: sky. <laughs> it is pretty much the same here. I've just been for a big walk around Mihiwaka, which is just outside our house. Oh 500 metres of up in that walk. So I'm, if I'm huffing and puffing, it's because I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I don't have an excuse. And also in Fokatani or near it, welcome Eti
1: kia ora i'm here in ruatuki which is about 15 minutes up the Fakatani river uh a river that we call Mataroa, uh, uh in the nation which is inside of the nation of uh Tūhoe. that's where i am bubbled up and yeah mai tera, which loosely translated means it's uh, sunny as hell outside <laughs>
2: <laughs> how are things going in your bubble
1: Oh, they're going, I'm blessed and privileged, Sam, blessed and privileged to uh, be able to shelter in place where I am. Uh, In my tribal homelands, we've got plenty of space and uh, plenty of food. We've, you know, every, most households around here anyway have those big chest freezers. Uh, They're generally loaded full of all sorts of kai Um, because we, we, you know, we live a, you know, a little distance from town. And so generally we uh, don't like to be ducking in and out of the shops um so yeah we, we we we're very very lucky to be where we are sam and who have you got in your bubble ah uh, it's just me and my my friend uh tashi george uh who is an amazing cook so hence why i'm feeling so blessed and i'm, I'm sure i'm uh showing the blessings and uh that is that is all good by me we've been uh, eating incredible food and um uh, listening to music, and it's actually been a bit busy, uh, to tell the truth. It's it's uh, double-edged sword technology sometimes, isn't it? Um, we're uh, thankful to have this technology to be able to stay in touch, but suddenly um, everybody can get a hold of me, and um, uh, I'm sure Z- I'm sure Zoom is behind COVID. <laughs> actually, there was a there's a meme that I saw on Marweta's, uh Facebook page, and I stole that. <laughs> I stole that and I posted it on my page because it was such a good one. It was uh, a Scooby Doo, you know, where they reveal who. I wonder who's been behind this. And they they take the, the mask off. They took the mask off, and there was the Zoom symbol. Because um, holy heck, we've been we've been on Zoom. I think I went from eight in the morning till eight at night on Thursday, back to back. Was that for
3: meetings?
1: Oh, was Zoom meetings. Yeah, I think I had about half an hour spare in there. So,
3: yeah. um people who might remember your interview from when Sam came to visit uh, a yes. while ago won't know, or may may not know that you got elected um, to the regional
1: council since then. Yes, yes, that's I a
3: significant change.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. I was I was getting to spend a lot more time in the garden. Um, that's kind of. been part back a little bit until I, um, I guess, get to grips with the the job, Um, because it it is a job, there's a lot of work to do there uh, at the regional council, um, because, you know, basically it is systemically racist. Um, You know, it's not their fault, it's just the reality of what it is. Um, We live in a a region that has a very high population of Māori, um but there has never been a non-white ceo there's never been a non-white chair or a non-white deputy chair of the regional council and and, i mean and that's probably common through all of local government everywhere um and that's the reality of the situation um i don't go as far as saying that you know when i go in there i'm going into enemy territory or anything like that but you you certainly are not um uh In a place that uh, is knowledgeable and aware of the ao maori as as much as it should be given the high population of Maori in its region
4: Anger, he
2: smiles towering in shiny metallic purple armor. Queen jealousy in me waits behind him. Her. her fiery green
1: gown sneers at the grassy ground. Blue, are the life giving waters take up for granted. They quietly understand. Once happy turquoise armies lay opposite ready, but wonder why the fight is on. But they're all. Any flashes, trophies of war And reverence of euphoria Orange is young Full of daring But very unsteady For the first go round My yellow in this case Is not so mellow In fact, I'm trying to say It's fighting like me And all of these emotions of mine keep tolling me from uh, Giving my life To a rainbow like you when I'm a uh,
4: Yeah. well I'm bold, bold as love. It, I'm bold as love, just as the answers he knows everything.
3: John is it seems. Really? Yeah.
1: I only, just, I only just met him. I spent about, <laughs> I I just spent a couple of hours with him driving in the back of Fiona uh, McTavish's car as we as we oh, went um, uh, over to a key And um, he was telling me all of these old stories. oh he was hilarious. Actually, it was quite funny. He, yeah, is that right?
3: No, Kim Jong Kim, Kim Jong
1: Un. Ah, sorry, I'm yeah. Cronin. <laughs> I was no. I was
2: really wanting to know how you'd met the leader of North Korea.
3: <laughs>
1: what the heck?
3: Oh,
1: that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I was was from funny. Uh, my regional council talk about John Cronin, he was the last um, chairman. John, oh, John Kimoon, eh? Oh. Well, is that true? Is that like you fact-checked that? Is he dead?
3: Yeah, well, that, that nobody can find any evidence that he's still alive and, and North Korea aren't talking,
1: so. Wow. Okay. So interesting
3: times in, in the political, international political space.
1: Yeah, yeah. A vacuum of power, uh, yeah, power vacuum isn't necessarily a great thing, but we'll, you know, it could be. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So I remember
2: seeing on Facebook some pretty impressive scenes when you in your first council meeting. Was it? I mean, I know you stood on purpose; so it wasn't a surprise. But was it a, a you know, a big deal?
1: Um, well, the, um, uh, the the guy I was up against, the incumbent, was there for uh, twelve years. Um, he had uh, beaten off all challenges, so um, to be able to uh, uh, win that, that campaign was was um, was really great. Um, it was really good to, to uh, just get out and actually run that campaign, to go to the meet, meet the candidates, to, to debate um, the issues. I, I actually enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, but, yep, so when we got sworn in, um, I realised that, you know, this is the first time a Tuhoe had ever sat at the regional t- council table, and that we'd probably turn up with at least 100 people. And when I got the email from uh, the governance team at the regional council saying, oh, if you want to bring your friends and family and if you can give us numbers of up to, say, you know, 10 or 15, um, I thought, well, this might not actually work. <laughs> uh, so I gave them a call and talked to the chair and said, well, actually, there's a marae across the road, uh, the mātātua marae, the mana katūtahi and whakatāne, and maybe it might be lo- both logistically and culturally appropriate if we uh, hold the the swearing-in ceremony across the road uh, at the marae. Um And and that was great actually. You no, know, it was great watching all of the councillors uh, get sworn in in their socks. It was a, it was a real uh, levelling.
2: Did any have holes?
1: Uh, I think, thankfully, no. We're, we're, we're an unholy bunch. There was
3: a there was a massive uh, shoe crisis as someone stole someone else's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the funny bit of the day. Somebody running around saying, "Who's got my shoes?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Was it as you expected in terms of the state of the environment and the state of the policies and so on?
1: Um, Yeah, largely. Largely. I knew it was a big organisation and a big machine. Um, I knew it was going to be a steep learning curve in terms of getting my head around the business of the regional council. I'm still doing that. It's actually going to take me uh, quite a bit more time because everything's tied up in in policy and programmes. You can read as many reports as you want, but actually you you have to talk to people. You have to get the context and the history um, that you can't get off a piece of paper. So, uh, you know, regional councils, the local government have, uh, have had a trajectory. They have come from um, a place when I guess, they were the first provincial governments back in the day, and they had militias attached to them. And those were the mechanisms that were used to um, take Māori land. And they were the ones who were saying, oh, no, you don't have your, uh, your dog registration. Um we'll take that uh, 150 hectares over there <laughs> um that, that's that's the real history of our country um and our modern local government has has was born from that and has come from that so there are certainly still many fingerprints uh of the colonizer i mean it is a colonial uh instrument and mechanism uh but my role is to try to build bridges i understand that we can't just tear things down it won't work like that we need to be able to find ways to make these institutions better we need to find ways to nudge them in the right direction it's 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 a long game though you give it a nudge and then you see how it goes you can't win every battle uh, and so you have to choose your battles wisely and i'm very actually very optimistic and very pleased because the my two colleagues, my two fellow Māori constituency councillors uh, from the Rotorua area and the Tauranga area, the three of us together, are uh, different and we're very complementary and we are united in our our view that uh, Te Ao Māori has so much to offer the region and Aotearoa at large uh, and if our fellow councillors can't quite see uh, what we have to offer, well, um, it's not our job to educate them per se, but it is our job to uh, find ways to build that bridge and, and move the council in the direction that it needs to for the benefit of of our communities in our region.
2: Tuhoi yeah. is known to be innovative with its management of the, the land and, in fact, things like the building the the Living Building. Oh, I've forgotten what it's called. I had it written down. That tiny oh, yeah. Could have, have funny it. Does that kind of thinking translate across to the council?
1: It is It is going to have to. It, it is bit by bit. Uh, our um, hoi are exemplars of a... Um, an attitude and a relationship with nature, uh, and a trajectory, you know. I think Tamatiku uh, regarded the, the Kurafari, he, he described it as a, a beacon of intent. Um, that is the trajectory that we are on, and it takes vision to, um, uh to look at, to, it takes vision, full stop. And that's what the regional council uh, uh, needs to look towards because beyond owning the Tauranga port and just business as usual and making things tick over and and we're largely a regulatory uh, organisation, has many regulatory functions around uh, consent and compliance Uh, But it also has a remit around economic development um, and really shifting, and this is the big shift that uh, that I'm seeing has to happen at the moment, and there are those who still can't quite make that shift, and I feel that around the table, but what needs to happen is the relationship and the intersectionality between the health of the environment and the health of the people and the health of the economy. So you have a, a healthy economy. You have a healthier, a healthy uh, environment. You will have healthy communities. We but how we them. do that, Sam, that's another thing.
2: I think one of the benefits of the the COVID time is that the those relationships, maybe not with the environment, but certainly the relationship between the health of the people and the economy, is being made very clear to us.
1: I really hope. that it hits home to everybody, what is of value? That is the main thing. What is of value that we want to take forward with us? And what has less value that we can leave behind? Uh, If the population leaves lockdown and heads straight back to uh, the the fast food chains and the uh, and they spend their money in places which, um, really, frankly, aren't in their own best interests. Then that is what's that's that your power is in your pocket is in your wallet. That's how it works. And and in, in, in the space, unless we become some heavily re- re- heavily regulated um, kind of climate fascism sort of space <laughs> uh, that's our other option but if we're still going to you know transition and, and and transition this capitalist society into a um, a place that can be regenerative then we need to spend our money in those regenerative spaces it basically comes down to that. Mm-hmm. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown.
0: Hi there bubble people, it's Liesel here coming at you from the Zooloftia uh, abode where um, all great things are happening in bubble land uh, as we're kind of evolving I guess um, our bubbles and our lives as lockdown continues but in new shapes and forms. Um, I'm interested how you're all going with that. I think we've probably all hit various points over the last few weeks where we've felt more relaxed or more in the kind of routine of things uh, than other times. I'm guessing like I have you've probably struggled at certain points and uh, yeah just want to let you know that You're not alone in this, we're all in it together. Uh, But it can feel quite isolating when you are in isolation. And uh, I think even though we've got amazing virtual networks out there and it's really, I think, probably a very uh, fortuitous time to be able to be connected to each other in the sense that, you know, at other times in history, we wouldn't have been able to have this same connectivity under lockdown sort of conditions. So. I'm very grateful for that and i'm grateful for the networks of people that i have and the ability to connect at any time of day or night it seems um even you know you've got those networks not just in new zealand but overseas as well so it really is a any time of day or night kind of connectivity and and in some ways it's you know it's kind of interesting Hmm. good to know that this is something that we're not just experiencing here in new zealand but it's actually a global uh, phenomenon in the sense that everybody is trying to grapple with how how to i guess handle connection with humans when we don't when we're being told not to connect with humans it's that's uh, a very strange sort of uh, position to be in so yeah, I'm interested that uh, certain you know, apps and things are encouraging us to kind of get in touch with each other and uh, maybe increasing the ability to get in touch with people all over the world and share your stories and share your sort of uh, experiences with each other. Uh, and this is great. I think it's a great um, opportunity to be able to expand our networks but also to know that we don't have to travel in order to be in other places or to connect with other people, and I think that's a really uh, wonderful part of this bubble experience, in the sense that we have to rethink some of those things that we have been taken for granted, and we we can maybe do things differently. And I think there's something to be said for the slower pace of life and still being able to maintain our connections with humans. Um, and wonder if there's some kind of balance there that we can create in this next sort of few weeks, months, whatever sort of lies ahead of us, as we continue to work out how we can uh, connect with each other and maintain human uh, connectivity, because this is a hugely it's a huge, important part of uh, how we how we live. And, and how we have to live, we live in communities, we live in social sort of agreements and arrangements that involve other humans so we can't ignore that fact but it's really important to uh, work out how we do this in a way that's safe and we're keeping each other safe and we're taking still this seriously in the sense that we want to be healthy and, uh, and how we can do this without uh, reducing our connection with each other or becoming afraid of each other. I think that's one of the things that I really hope we manage to overcome. And uh, yeah, I I do love the whole kindness idea that uh, has been sort of put out there by the government in terms of be kind. And I think we've got to continue to be kind and understand that this is a bigger thing than just ourselves and it's stretching us all and it's pushing probably lots of our buttons but uh continue to be kind and we will stay connected and this little conversation right now is part of that whole wider bubble of connectivity so thinking of you all take care and uh, we'll talk soon
2: when I was there, you were talking about your garden, and you say it's been neglected a, a little bit of of late. But you talked about how you were as a community garden with the asen- with the emphasis on the community, building the the community around around it. How's the community going?
1: Yeah, our community is um, amazingly resilient. We have really um, uh, we've had our community checkpoints in our blue artuki. We have, uh, through the iwi and through our tribals, delivered um, food packages. Our hapu quickly got a register together of uh, our most vulnerable. Um, so, in terms of our local community, uh, we we we're doing fine. We actually ran a uh, a sustainability program through our new year only through that garden this year, Sam. Oh wow! Called uh, and unfortunately uh because uh, of lockdown and everything we um my father uh did most of the harvesting so he's posted that up on facebook we had some uh he's still doing the kumara at the moment we had a lot of um of a few thousand kanga ma which is the the white corn um and some we built a uh a hue, which is the gourd the big gourd we had these giant gourds we built a uh a hue sort of uh Pyramid or tipi out of um, a sort of structure. So uh, we we and we had some beautiful composting too that was going on at those gardens. So we've had probably about twenty um, people as students as part of that course. So that's what happened in uh, 2020, late 2019, in that garden. Um, moving forward, uh, yeah, the 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 desire and the the vision. Is to keep it a community space to do these sorts of uh, reconnecting with the Fenway activities.
2: Are you getting down to the garden?
1: Uh, no, uh, that's I've uh, we've we've been keeping to our bubble. So we've um, uh, my father's been down there, and um, uh, I've gone down and popped down, but kept our our social distance. We've just um, you know being very conscious of that and playing our part. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's about at the moment. Everyone are just playing their part and we'll get through it. So, yeah, actually, everybody's been really good. We shut our marae, um the week before we went to level four. So that's how aware our community was of uh, a pandemic because our memory of the Spanish flu uh, back in 1918 is still vivid we the stories uh, that we have is that two people a day were dying in our community well wow. when that when that, when that flu came back so we they were go, taking them straight to the uh, no tangihana. yeah uh, my father was sitting down with his grandmother and she was telling the story it was terrible two people a day um we haven't had that we haven't had one infection here um and when I went to the last Hapu Hui where we shut the marae, uh and we're, you know, we're very touchy feely people. We're always kissing. We all go, you, you when you walk into the fight, you go right around the fight and you kiss all the nannies and the aunties and you you shake everybody's head. When I went into that particular hui, nobody, nobody was touching anybody and we were all, all playing it safe. So um and I think that's because we actually have a living memory of the last pandemic.
2: Let's have Prince Tuiteka, who's from around near where you are. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, Ruotahuna. Yeah, yeah, the tickers up Ruotahuna way. They're still up there. Beautiful musicians. <laughs>
2: So, of all the things that you've seen in terms of societal change in the last month or so, what do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick?
1: Oh, my gosh! I think Zoom hui will stick. Mm-hmm. I think I think Zoom. I think Zoom meetings will stick. I think it's a lot easier now for me to go. Hey, can I? Can we have a a meeting? And we don't. And I don't have to go and meet them. I'll actually probably cut out a whole lot of face-to-faces because why drive to Whakatane to meet in a coffee shop when you can actually just log on and you're there and everybody knows how to do it now, whereas that used to be the stumbling block Yeah, is that people were like, Zoom, what? No, nah, that's kind of weird. Um, now, so I think that will definitely stick, um, which will cut down a whole lot of driving.
2: Yeah.
1: Is the Regional Council remote? um we are at the moment yeah um there there, there has been comment that you know we've got some quite rigorous debates coming up um and it is a bit difficult to do rigorous debating via zoom Mm um it certainly does have a different feel when you're face to face so uh i think for those big council meetings we will be still going face to face um but for some of the smaller ones the just the sort of the financial briefings there's no need for us to all be there uh i certainly won't be driving to Tauranga now for um uh some of the smaller committees where i know rigorous debate isn't really going to be be happening
2: is it an opportunity to bring the the people closer to that kind of decision making, that kind of process?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Because the thing is, it's um, all recorded. Um, recently, at actually at our last council, I um, um, made some commentary around around the reports and, and what I thought of them. Uh, that actually got picked up by the local democracy reporter, uh, and then got uh, Reposted uh, on by Radio New Zealand, <laughs> picked it up as a story. If that was at a regular council meeting, I do not think that it would have been picked up because she could watch the the uh, democracy local democracy reporter could watch back the recording of the meeting, and we all have cameras and we all have microphones. She picked it up verbatim what I said and and would the story from that. Um so in terms of democracy and transparency, I think um it's going to be fascinating actually, and part of me wants to keep it in this forum because it's it's recorded for uh, uh, for for perpetuity so, I think so uh, and it's a lot easier pe- for people because we've got a big region it's a lot easier for people to click a link and to tune in uh than to drive over to tauranga to participate
2: yeah the regional so, council out oh, the taiga regional council had 20- 125 people watching one of its meetings
1: yes unheard of mm-hmm. so i actually think that is a um i think that's a strong argument and strong reason as to why, potentially, we should up our um, visibility online, even if we are meeting face to face. It's actually an argument as to why we should maybe have, you know, it's very cheap to get little cameras and microphones in front of every councillor, and that we stream live all of our council meetings, because in the past, the regional council hasn't. Um, So I hope that is uh, one, one aspect uh, of our meetings that we keep,
2: you've got lots of experience in the media and theatre and so on. Are all of those yep. things going to recover? Is there a, is there a getting back to normal for that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, you know what? I just watched a um, a theatre show via Zoom, uh, coming out of uh, New York and Florida, and it was like I was at the theatre. Right. It was really entertaining, and the way that they brought the audience—it was probably about forty to fifty of us. Who were watching, and the way that they brought us in, and they took us from the lobby uh, into the into the green room, and then into the theatre when the show started. And we watched three different pieces, and it was fascinating. So I don't think there's any going back to you know what it was. I think actually, as often happens with our artists and our creatives, and and um, out out of out of need, basically, they are having to, they've just created these other forms of communication which are really valid. I've enjoyed being able to watch, uh, there was another guy who gave a concert in his bedroom, Uh, he was called Young Elton, and I'd never get to see an artist like that, and he was performing live in his bedroom, he was fantastic, he did an an amazing impersonation, had the lights and everything going on in his bedroom, and we gave him uh, $10 via PayPal, Uh, and we got to enjoy his concert. And I never would have gotten to do that before COVID-19. So these are some of these amazing things that have arisen. These are the silver linings. I think it's it's great. I hope that, yeah, absolutely, that we go and get to see live theatre again. I think we will. The hospitality industry, of course, is going to get smashed by this. We all know that. Um, we're just going to have to wait until when we come out and see who's left standing and then see what happens. I I don't think anyone has a crystal ball really and can really tell. Um, But being able to watch theatre practitioners via Zoom on the other side of the world and be able to give them some money, be able to share in creative um, art forms with a wider community was really quite eye-opening.
2: It's kind of the flip side, Moira, of the, the local but online we were talking about but that you've been working on.
3: Yes, yeah, so we, we're we pushing really hard in the Eastern Bay of Plenty to get people to, once things come out of into Level 3, and, and once we get people in their Level 3 shopping, to think about where their money is going and supporting local businesses. So um, getting everybody who has got a, um, a tangible product um, with it up and running with a shop so that they can actually sell their stuff, Um, getting a delivery system in place and utilising all of our local services and it's been really amazing to be part of that actually because we've got, there's very little that you have to leave the Eastern Bay for in terms of product, we've got most of it here and uh, and so hopefully we can get people to think about where they're buying and who they're supporting with their spending power because it's definitely time that we thought really hard about um, how do we make sure that our local people um, who employ local people who often sell locally made products are uh, supported and able.
2: And maybe it will regenerate some of the local manufacturing.
3: I hope so. We've uh, we've been really lucky here in the Eastern bay of Plenty with the Provincial Growth Fund. All of those announcements atoy, just before this happened, so in a sense, we have got a level of hope in our community that will that simply won't exist in others because we know that we've got some amazing stuff yet to come. And all of that is around local manufacturing and uh, local uh, development of opportunities that are about growing our region, hopefully in a sustainable way.
2: Maybe we need a slogan. How about think small?
1: <laughs> I like that. Yeah, just, uh, just in, in direct opposition <laughs> to uh, capitalism. Yeah, uh, degrowth, isn't it? I think degrowth rather than growth. De- degrowth. Right.
3: Bubble sprite of the forest of Orokadui, Dededean's favourite goddess, Tahu
1: Mackenzie.
4: Kia ora koutou, namihi aroha nui, kia koutou ko tā hope you're all having the best day in your beautiful beloved bubbles i'm so grateful and excited to have some more time with you thank you and i had such an interesting day today i've been really looking forward to telling you all about it so thank you very much for the opportunity to share my bubble visions it's a great pleasure a great privilege thank you and thank you all for being born and adding your unique magic to the mix Bringing your perceptions into this universe, bringing your consciousness in as part of the infinite web of life and evolution of consciousness on this planet. Thank you. So, today has been a really interesting exercise in trust and has really brought to my attention how, really, every moment of our life is an exercise in trust and how as a species of animal the product of billions of years of evolution we excel at trusting in the life around us and today i had the opportunity to wake up very early in the morning put one of my beautiful hens way marie into a cardboard box with a towel special box designed for caring for animals and taking them to the bed because the poor thing has injured her leg and bundling up my two beautiful kittens and putting them in another specially designed box originally used for carrying a bell bird from the wildlife hospital to Orokanoi Eco Sanctuary where I work be released and cared for there but today Poirot and Hastings the kittens were getting their final vaccinations and I was so moved that Waimarie and Poirot and Hastings when I carefully bundled them into their respective box bubbles was so calm and so trusting and on the big drive to St Kilda Vet and the big drive to Mosgiel Vet they made no sound of protest or even sound of questioning they just trusted me and trusted the process that I knew what was best for them and they could trust me they could feel safe with me in my care and this really brought to my attention that of course we are all part of this right now, we're all trusting in the care of those taking on roles in our society, of deciding the best way to care for everyone at this time and we're all allowing ourselves to be put in our little box bubbles that other people have built for us or we've built for ourselves. And we're trusting in this process and it's going really well for us we're so lucky here in beautiful Aotearoa New Zealand and thinking on trust of course that got me thinking that really every shared experience that we enjoy is an act of trust and really every moment that we perceive is an act of trust that we accept our perceptions, we accept the reality that presents itself to us. And when we share an experience with another person, we trust that they're perceiving the same reality that we are. We know now, thanks to, you know, beautiful love of the universe science, that we are actually all perceiving quite different realities but when we come together and we form consensus reality that's a big act of trust and another important aspect of understanding that is being able to talk about it and that in itself is an act of trust being able to share our perceptions with one another and help one another and i did some of that today so i talked to my beautiful partner harvey penfold and he said you know, as he always does something quite different from what I was thinking about. He said, when you mistrust something, you can think about why you mistrust it. And if that's based on an experience with someone else from the past, then actually that's not relevant to the current situation. And you can let go of that mistrust. So I thought, wow, that's really, that is really, really helpful for all of us, and I'm so grateful that he trusted me to be able to share his perceptions and his opinions with me. Because as we know, he's not wildly verbal. So when he does share, it's fantastic. And something else that of course we're all trusting in at the moment is something I think that it's so important to trust in, which is that everybody is always doing their best. And it may be different from our best. It may be their flawed best. And I feel we're all doing our flawed best at all times. But actually what I have found is that by doing my best and by knowing that I have done my best, like with Wei Maria and her injured leg, that enables me to trust when I know that I've done absolutely everything I can and I've given absolutely everything I can from where I'm at now then I can just let go and trust in the universe to do its best as I'm sure it is, as I'm sure we all are. So I hope that you're all finding ways to trust yourselves and those around you and the process that we're all part of. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks so much. Kakiti.
2: Okay, so I have some questions to end the show with. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
1: I I, I would say the biggest success I have had in the last couple of years is moving home, moving back to Rua uh, and what has come out of that has been amazing. And so I would say reconnecting with, with my homeland is my biggest success set. And it's a very nice place to be
2: reconnected with.
1: Uh, like I said at the start of this interview, I'm a, I'm a blessed and privileged man.
2: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes, the collection of the, the team of people doing good work. So you're in the mansion. What's your superpower?
1: my power is uh, the power of regeneration (laughs) (laughs) the power of regenerative rhetoric
2: (laughs) well that's better than other sorts of rhetoric (laughs) extractive rhetoric that wouldn't be a good thing would it do you consider yourself to be an activist
1: uh yeah, I do actually. I um uh, the the it's a it's a different sort of activism to the activism of my father. It's uh, uh, but it is still going into places like the regional council and attempting to do what I'm doing is is certainly activism. There's no doubt about that.
2: And what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: A, a, what gets me out of the bed in the morning? The dogs at the moment get me out of the bed. They just bound into the room and they're up in your face. And, um, uh, but really, um, bringing value to my community. That's, that, that's all, all it's about. I think if everybody thinks about what what value are you bringing to your community, um, then we would all be in a better place.
2: I've asked this, but I'm going to ask it again. So what what do you think is going to stick? Or what do you, what do you hope is going to stick?
1: I hope that people are, that the population is more aware of what is of value when they uh, decide to spend their money where we spend our money is important uh and that they're aware of what they need and what they don't need um that is what i really hope sticks um but i i I know zoom meetings will stick yeah i I really 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 hope that that our, our population um Realise what is of value to them and their lives.
2: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
1: <laughs> I have no advice for anybody. I you know, it, it's become a cliche, but it's so true. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. and Be kind to other people. But if you start with being kind to yourself, um, then I think you'll you'll be okay.
2: I think one of the best outcomes of this COVID thing is that we've discovered that be kind isn't just a platitude. We can actually base policy and decisions on it.
1: We can. Absolutely, it's a it's a lens to view the world. Are you being kind, or are you being inconsiderate and thoughtless and selfish? I think there's an uh, it's implied that don't be selfish. Is, is implicit
2: within the kind of others. Yeah. Well, Vera, any last thoughts?
3: I'm um, I'm I'm thinking now about uh, every dollar you spend has got a tremendous amount of power to make or break a local business, and so use your power wisely for the benefit to, to make our community stronger.
2: Cool. Thank you very much for joining me. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles and their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.inz. You can find us on Facebook too. We've had contributions from Tahu Mackenzie and Liesel Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined by Toi Iti in Nurotoki near Fakatani, in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. We hope you enjoyed the show.
3: This podcast was produced by OrfM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.